Good morning. Good morning. Oh. Everybody's still asleep from all that snowball fighting y'all did yesterday. Yeah, we were out there, I'm telling you. Uh-huh. All over the place, just having a ball. I didn't hear you. What did you say? I said we were all over the place, just having uh-huh. a ball. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, putting the snowman up there in the front of the house. And- uh-huh. I can't believe you put your best mink coat on the thing, but you did it, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With the gloves. Yeah. Your best mink and the gloves. Mm-hmm. Had everything. Uh-huh. You were out most of the day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I'm glad everybody's all right. They, uh... Yeah, we back. They say... Somebody argued that snow is good for all these viruses and stuff. I I don't know what they're going to say about that, but uh, maybe we'll be good. Uh, the cold weather helps help us out. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, we asked you to... Uh, uh, open your prayer book and uh, uh, put a few things on your list. You may have one or two things already on there. But um, I wanted to share this with you this morning uh, as somewhat of a state of the community, if you will. Mama Bell, there was a young man who uh, some three years ago was the pillar of young politics. He was poised to uh, run for uh, a city council seat. He had a following that was second to none in this area, one of the originators of social media in this area for raising up uh, uh, audiences to see his perspective, if you will. Uh, One of the first of the modern generation to get the recognition of the media as it pertains to young politics and uh, the idea of the changing of the guard. And I sat down with that gentleman maybe seven days ago and he's ready to hand in his voter's card. And I asked him, and he said, I think you understand what's wrong with me. And I said, I have a pretty good idea. And he said, Eric, I'm just tired. We need him now, though. And I asked him, I said, why are you tired? And he said, you get up, you get beat up. 
And the reality of it is you have people who are just going to do whatever they want to do. And why should I sacrifice my life trying to help folks who are determined they're going to do whatever they want to do? And I listened to this young man. I listened to him as he somewhat started to cry sitting at the table. And I thought about what the answer would, or the response, should I say, would be from certain individuals of the community. And then I also thought about the response that should be from certain members of the community. What I mean by that is I know what they're going to say, and I know what I believe they should say. And the sad reality is what they're going to say and what they should say are two different things. And I just had no answer none that I'm willing to publicly make here because the reality of it is any answer I could make will cause controversy which is one of the reasons why this young man is tired so why did I tell you that story because I asked in your moment of prayer when we get there in just a few moments that you would take a a good point a moment to kind of look around I I do that a lot I look around at what I'm doing wrong or what I'm doing right whatever the case may be kind of do an evaluation of myself then I take that and I analyze it There's a lot of folks now who are walking around, a family member of mine or a connection of same, I should say that, called me yesterday and and wanted to cuss out the governor. And I said, why are you cussing out the governor? Well, the governor's stupid. How is he stupid? You see them laws he's putting in? And, And I looked at him And I said, the thing that I have come to understand that I believe that people in this society don't understand is how democracy works. A man is elected to office and he does the bidding of the people that sent him there. That man is doing his people's bidding. That other man that we just got rid of four weeks ago, whatever the time was, He raised up an army to see the world the way he wanted to see it based upon him going and doing the bidding of the people that he raised up. You can't call people stupid for what they believe. The question is, why do they believe it? Why are they in this mindset? What has happened to cause people to feel the way they're feeling? 
And the answer is not they're stupid. So I ask that you to pray for the people. Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I've just been around too long. Maybe I just talked to enough people to understand that the easy answer is not to call them stupid. But to seek for the answer for why our world is to seek peace with all men. That's what the Bible says. Seek it. That key word there, seek, that means you have to go find peace. Find a way to like each other, to connect, to be able to live in harmony and love. Find a way. That, that, that's what the Bible says. So I ask that you pray that we can find that opportunity, that way to share in a few moments. While you're thinking about that, I'm going to give you the outline this morning of what's going to happen. Brother Dennis is going to come here in a few moments and say what the Lord has on his heart. Uh, he'll do that after Mama Bell gives us a, a prayer. Excuse me, she plays. Well, she might pray in her music. That's, that's, that, that can work there. It is a prayer, and uh-huh. I need to talk to you. I've got a lot to say about what you just said. So well, but I'm well, here. I, I'm, I know this is not the time. I'll be uh-huh. right uh-huh. here where you want. Well, uh-huh. I'm here where you want me to be. My fingers are here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So while Mama Bell is playing, I ask you to keep prayer and consideration in your mind. I know I just hit you with a loaded statement. That's the good thing about this thing we call democracy. It's hard, it's messy, and everything about it is loaded. Ain't nothing easy about it. And so I ask why Mama Bell is praying that you will keep that in mind. So Mama Bell's going to play brother Dennis is going to do his piece of business and then we will move on with our lyrical meditation and by that time uh, the bald headed preacher will be here to pray for us and then we will we will move on. Mama Bell Alrighty, good morning good morning good day
Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mama Bell. As usual, you're right on, right on key, so to speak. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is the day after the two days, I guess, after the snow. I'm glad everybody went out and had some fun, threw some snowballs, and uh, thank God for a, a, just a different day. I'll put it that way. You know, beautiful. I'm a, I'm a person that I love to get up early in the morning because you see the reflection from the, you know, the snow makes it brighter outside. And it's so beautiful. You know, it's God's way of painting the landscape. You know, the, the trees covered with snow. And I had a, a migration of birds in my backyard for a while eating berries off one of the trees. It was a sight to see. Of course, when they left, they left a nice sight all over the <laughs> Cover the ground with their their uh, their leftovers in the car, but it was great. You know, it, it just uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, the, we worry about where we're getting stuff. But the birds, you know, we get four inches of snow, and the birds are still happy. They're flying around, eating food, having a good old time, chasing each other, enjoying their thing. They're not worried about their food, are they? Because God gives them that. So. We have to, uh, you know, sometimes we learn lessons from what we see around us, and that's, that's a good thing. You know, we have to, uh, <clears throat> there's always there's always something good that comes out of what God does for us. And yeah. I think we have to think about that all the time. Um, you know, we all go through trials and tribulations, and, and you know, by peace here every Sunday morning is... Uh, pulling Bible verses up and talking about them and talking about what uh, how important they are and what uh, what it is important to uh, how it is important to us that we know where they come from um, you know I'm a fan of Psalms there are a lot of little good nuggets in Psalms and, and today we're going to look at a couple of them actually and uh, you just need to Think about what they are and what they say. You know, that's the, you know, if you meditate on what God tells you, whether it be through his word or whether it be through the messages of, of uh, preachers or, or just messages of the, uh, you know, what I saw yesterday, what I saw the birds, what kind of message were they giving me? You know, if you think about these things and you dwell on them and uh, they come to be more meaningful in your life. They come to mean something in your life. You know, we all have problems and we all have confrontations, uh, whether it be with uh, relatives, family members, whatever, uh, neighbors, school teachers, bus drivers. You know, everybody has a little bad day. You know, go to the store and people kind of cut in front of you or grab the last uh, put the bread off the shelf and you go, oh, wait a minute, you know, that's the way you need to act. Uh, depends. <laughs> depends. Anyway, you know, you have to think about these things. What, what does that teach you? What, is, what does that give you? But, you know, we always have somewhere to go. We have somewhere to go. You know, you always can fall back. You know, we go to the look for these verses and then Look at the Bible, you know. And sometimes it teaches me a lot of things. But some of the verses that I read are like, 
okay, I can't really talk about that because it's talking to me too much. You know, sometimes God has a way of putting things out in our life we need to take care of. And, uh, you know, before we take care of those, we can take care we then we, then we can talk about it and take care of other things for people. First verse we're going to look at is in Psalms 29, verse 11. Okay? The Lord has strengthened his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Okay? This, are you, you know, he gives you strength and he blesses you. You know, that, that's not always that's what he does to do things. You know? he, he gives you what you need, and he, if you follow and, and, and listen to him, he's going to give you peace about what it is, you know, strength. You know, but rely on him. You know, rely on him and what he does for us. You know, and it all goes back to what Paul, uh, Psalm 119, verse 114. You know, what, Psalms 119 is you know, one of the longest uh, chapters or Psalms. It is the longest Psalm in the Bible. Excuse <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you, if you get a chance, you know, read it. Then uh, do like I do, read it again. <laughs> and go back and read half of it and read the other half. And let it speak to you. Psalms uh, 119, verse 14 says, You are my refuge and my shield. I put, I put my hope in your word. Wow. You know, you know that God's going to protect you and take care of you. But if you put your hope in his word, his, you know, his word never goes back void. His word is always true. Yeah, that's the important thing. We have to remember that. So no matter what you hear, you, know, you pick up the newspaper and you read it, and you go, I don't know if that's true or not. But, you know, if you pick up the Bible and read it, guess what? You know that's true. Because it's God's word. When God talks to you, that's that's true. You know, nobody, nobody else can talk to you like God does. Well, somebody does, but you don't, hopefully you don't listen to him. You listen to what God tells you. Because God is, is the one going to lead you and guide you through your problems. He's the one that's going to put that shield of protection around you. He's the one that's going to lift you up in your times of need. And he's going to give you the open word of the Bible. Go through and find what you need, the strength you need, the shield that you need the knowledge that you need. It's all there. You just have to use it. You know, don't be afraid. I was not going to hurt you. You know, when I, I was growing up, it would be like, I don't know if I want to read that book. It might tell me about who I am, but I don't want to know who I am. You ever get that feeling? Or, 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 you know, or I don't understand what it says. Why, why am I, you know, I don't know. Or, no, you know, if I pick that thing up, it's going to burn my hand. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying. Come on now. You know, there's times in everybody's life where we have that that fear. Are we afraid of God? Uh, you know, I think I think we need to be afraid of God, but we don't need to be afraid of God that He's going to hurt us. I think we need to be afraid of God of His uh, His righteousness. There you go. Look at that. You know, if He's right, He's right. <laughs> And, and that's what we have to worry about. You know, if we're going to do what God wants us to do, then we don't have no fear of God. But if we do what we want to do, if we want to do what the world wants us to do, 
Something for you to meditate on while we're preparing to have our moments of prayer. Um, as we're keeping in that that mindset of preparation for our moment of prayer to time our time together, I'd like to read something to you. It says, "Now let our cheerful eyes survey." our great high priest above and celebrate his constant care and sympathizing love. Though raised to heaven's exalted throne where angels bow around and high o'er all the hosts of light with matchless honors crowned. The names of all his saints he bears, deep graven on his heart. Nor shall the meanest Christian say that he has lost his part. The characters shall fare by our everlasting trust when gems and monuments and crowns are molded down to dust. 
So gracious Savior on our breasts, may thy dear name be worn, a sacred ornament and guard to endless ages born. Most gracious, eternal, wise God, we we come this morning thanking you for your many blessings. We thank you for life. Thank you for health. We thank you for strength. We thank you for allowing us to know who you are. And Father, we come, your children, we come as the sheep of your pasture. We come as your kingdom citizens to take this moment to thank you and to praise you, to join our faith together, to stand in the gap, to intercede for the things and the matters that you have placed upon our heart. Father, we don't take it for granted you love us so that you place these concerns on our heart that we can pray and we can bring them to you and we can lay them at your feet. God, as we look through the ages of time that you have brought us through, even the history of time which was written that we didn't experience, but we stand on its shoulders. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you because we know without a shadow of a doubt what you have started, you are able to finish it. <laughs> thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving our souls. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. And we thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you for the power of the blood. We thank you, Lord God. You're a great God. and. For you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever believe on him shall live. And we thank you for life. We thank you for allowing us to live. And thank you for placing us where you're placing us in this strategically this world. That we may have impact, that we may have our story, that we may have our life, that we may have our opportunity to share with this world of darkness of who you are. We thank you for so loving us and so entrusting us. You place us in the neighborhoods that we may pray for, not only our families, for those families that's connected to us, it's in our communities as uh, across the street, around the corner, in the barriers that you place us in. He strategically places us there that we can see uh, the house across the street and around the corner and the things that goes in and out, the things that go on around. You strategically place us in it to burden our heart that we may not shake our hand in shame, but bow our heads in prayer to pray, Lord God, that you will intervene and bring forth change. We start with our home. We start with our place of dwelling where we dwell. 
that you have given us a roof of our head. And we went to the light switch this morning, and the lights came on. We hit the switch. We opened up the refrigerator door. It was kind of difficult to see the back of the refrigerator because of the blessings that was in it. Uh, we peeped out the window, and the window was chilled, but our bodies was warm because of the heat that you supplied us with. was able to use the eyes that you have given us to look uh, through the lens of, of time and to see the, the brightness of this snow that's on the ground. Maybe heard a bird twerking praising you, Lord, and sin, maybe a car passed by or someone walking. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us the ears that we have that we may hear. Not only the sounds that are surrounding us, but the sound of your voice allowing us to know that you're still God. All of us may not understand and distinguish your voice all the time because of the cares of this world, the things that have been placed, the burdens on our hearts, and the, and our heart goes fond of, of the people, Lord God, and the situations that they find themselves in. But, Father, we still, Lord God, have the heart of compassion, Lord God, to have your heart to pray for those who need it. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for these your people that is that attendance this morning, Lord. They have um, some have ailments in their bodies. They have situations, Lord God, that they need your hand touch. And we pray, Lord God, that you would do that. We, Lord God, have family members that need your hand touch, need miracles, Lord. Work it, Lord, according to your will. Father, you have placed in our hands duties and talents, Lord God. Not only for ourselves, but for your working of this earth, Lord God, that we may minister to other people. I pray, God, that you would use them, Lord, open doors for them, give them favor. We thank you, Lord God, for what you did for our sister Glass, Lord God, and we pray up a special anointing on her. We pray, Lord God, as she stand before uh, the, the, the chambers that represents the people that she represents, that goes beyond that barrier, but represent the voice of those burdens, Lord God, that you placed upon her heart. We pray, Lord God, that as she open her heart, that it will captivate their attention in every ear. And I pray, Lord God, favor on her life and favor with every legislation and every law and every burden or every, Lord God, uh, thing that you place on our heart that you present. Pray, Lord God, they will use her for your glory. Her colleagues and the committees that she sent on, Lord God, use her. We pray, Lord God, for all of our local politicians as they stand to represent us and stand before uh, their other colleagues, Lord God, to argue their point. We pray, God, that you would use them for your glory. And we pray, Lord God, that you would strategically give them what to stand before and what to fight for. I pray, God, that they will put on the whole armor 
that they will be able to withstand and stand every fiery dot of the enemy. I pray, God, that you will allow them to accomplish everything, God, that you have given them. And I pray, God, that they, they, will, you, they will hear your voice. And they will understand that a good man or a good woman's steps are ordered by you. Order their steps in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord God, for the police officers and the uh, and all of those crews that are out there for our safety, clearing the highways and making pathways for us. We pray for their safety. We pray for the homeless that are Lord God, that is is battling the cold. We pray for those who have a home that but don't want to go to it for some odd reason. We pray for the minds of them. We pray for the minds of those who are despondent and don't know which way to go. And Father, we just pray, Lord God, that you would just move like never before, like you always do. You never sleep and you never slumber. You always hear us when we pray. And we thank you. At this time, uh, you may have something on your heart that you want to lay at the feet of Jesus. And let me, uh, let me share this with you. If you don't understand, the Lord is in the room with you. He can hear your whisper. He can hear your cry. Matter of fact, he, he he arose this morning just to hear what you have to say. And we're going to take a few moments now in your way. Let's talk to Jesus. Let's talk to your Savior. Let's lay at the feet what you have to say. Come on, let's do that now. Now, Lord, bless our pastor as he brings forth the word today. We pray anointing on his life and on his words that he may speak. That will pierce the ears and the hearts of everyone that will listen. In Jesus' name. He was there all the time. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line. My God was there all the time. Amen. He's been there all the time. He's been there all the time. Hallelujah. He's there. 
August 1st, 2020, uh, Pastor Booth and Brother Dennis and Grandmother, we met uh, at the Graves Funeral Home to funeralize uh, uh, First Lady's uncle. And I ask you to keep their family in your prayers as now they're heading back here soon to funeralize First Lady's uncle's wife to keep the Westcott family in your prayers. Um, Genesis chapter 4. I'm not done in this book. I've been in a book so long in all days of my life. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 says, The man was intimate with his wife Eve. She conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the lower tip. She also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering some of the firstborn of his flocks and their fatted calves. Their fatted portions, should I say. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was serious. He looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so serious? And why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Skip on down. Uh, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed Abel. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied, am I my brother's guardian? Then he said, what have you done? Your brother cries, your brother's blood cries out 
from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. Verse 13, but Cain answered the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. They'll kill me, whoever finds me. Verse 14 says, then the Lord replied to him, in that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain. So that whoever found him would not kill him. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. And we're going to try our best to do that systematically here. Uh, but for the sake of trying to condense that down into a subject for us this morning, I would like to focus our attention on this train of thought we was in the streets uh, you might hear somebody come up to you and say something like why you mad bro why you mad bro and all those who believe in the word of the Lord respond with a howdy amen mm -hmm. Amen. Brother and sister, in this case, brother and brother, it seems that throughout time it is always been this competitive spirit uh, brother brother who can get the most who can get light the most who has the better grades who can get the most girls or the better girls who can get the better job? Who can get the most money? The finer houses. Who is number one? That competitive spirit that seemingly has been ingrained into the family as it pertains to brother and brother. I don't want to... Uh, dismiss the fact that sisters are involved in this. It's just that there's a different kind of uh, perspective when you bring in our female friends. And for the sake of time and even more for the sake of not confusing ourselves today, trying to understand the female race or sex, should I say, we'll just stick to the brothers. Competitive are men. Their testosterone level, their need, as I say, to, to be number one, the fight to be the alpha male has somewhat vexed our society. 
for generation on end. I take the time to read this particular piece of business, and it fascinates me because two things speak to me. You have a gentleman by the name of Cain, who is the firstborn. Now, typically, the firstborn by law gets the rights and privileges. They are the number one child. They are the one who opened the womb. There's a text in the scripture that has recorded one occasion where he says, blessed is the man who opens the womb. It is a blessing to be the firstborn. Nobody can override you. If anything happens as it pertains to your parents' success, their legacy, if you will, it falls on the firstborn. Some cases, if your parents come from some form of wealth or some form of prominence, you're smart, you just get in line, you sit down, you shut up, and you wait for that great day when your parents are introduced to the ground, and you can almost ride yourself into a good piece of business if you are the firstborn. Cain, by law, had that right, but the problem sometimes that happens with the firstborn is they know they are the firstborn. And because they know they are the firstborn and they know the rights and the privileges of the firstborn, they have a tendency to respond in a certain way. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But before I get to that, let me speak to the second born. Because the second born finds himself at a disadvantage. The law does not protect him. He is at the mercy of his elder brother. So the rights and the privileges that are guaranteed to the elder brother are not unless the elder brother has mercy on his younger brother. So the younger brother has a different attitude. He has a different perspective. He is, in many cases, considered the underdog. He has to sing for his dinner and whistle for his breakfast. He has to scratch. He has to claw. He has to go out and make a name for himself because unless there is a tragic occurrence, there is no possible way that he will get first dibs at the throne. Then again, he could find himself operating in the same mindset of a gentleman that you know in the scriptures. We've talked about him some time in our churches. That gentleman being uh, Brother Joseph, excuse me, Jacob, 
You know about Jacob. Jacob was the younger son of Isaac. Esau was the elder, and Jacob, using his masterful skills, was able to manipulate Esau into signing over his birthright, signing over his heirship, his number one heir to the throne ship, the rights and privileges of the firstborn. Now, unless you got a Joseph, excuse me, why well, I want to call him Joseph, unless you got a Jacob running around in your family, it's a possibility that that next child, as they say, would be out back. It's amazing to you if you think back to your life. Some of you are the products of the second and the third born. You know what that first born was like. Even if it wasn't a male, you know what that first born was like. Most first born children have lost their ever loving mind. They're spoiled rotten. They're treated like the world revolves around them, like the sun rises and sets on their pretty little heads. You know about firstborns. Some of you right now are sitting in your chair with your cup of coffee, you're sipping on it, and you're thinking your blood is starting to boil and it has nothing to do with the folgers that's in your cup. It is the memory. And no good rotten sister yo. Nasty cuss she was. Made a stupid fool out of her, did they? Firstborn. Then you got you. You are able because everything you had you went out. To some degree, if I could go into more detail about it, your mother, your father, not of any type of neglect. It's just the way they are, if I could talk about parenting in the poverty community. Your mother might have had your elder brother, elder sister, and there might have been two, three dollars laying around. By the time you came along, the well had started to run a little bit dry. There were no resources like there were for the first. So because there were no resources like there were for the first, you find yourself struggling a little bit harder. You would wonder... Why Abel was not the hard one? Why didn't Abel feel the resentment? Why didn't Abel feel the pain? Go back and read the text. The man and the woman got together and gave birth to Cain, and she said, 
the Lord has with help gave me a male child. And also there's Abel. She was an afterthought was Abel. He was a side note. Cain was the one. What did Cain do? He responded in the way that the average firstborn did. He responded by being lazy. He responded by being entitled. I am the one. I am Dr. Kane. The first of the account goes to me. I was born with the silver spoon in my mouth. Just remember, the spoon that you eat out of has my teeth marks on it. In the words of Ray J, I had it first. But Abel, knowing his position, knowing his state, knowing where he landed on the totem pole, went out into the streets, and he just started working as a shepherd. And in his working as a shepherd, he presented his offering unto the Lord, and he brought in the first of his flock. The text says, and Abel, brought in the firstborn and their fatted portion. Not only did he bring in the first, he brought in the trimmings. And Cain just came in and he brought whatever mattered. He picked up and just brought the scraps. God looked down at Cain and the same at Abel. And he liked Abel. Because Abel did not have the same resources. Abel didn't have the college degree. He didn't go to Yale, Princeton, or Howard. Abel didn't get a fellowship. Abel did not have the endowment that Cain had. Abel had to go out and work. And before he took his 50 cents home, when he got his check, Barely making $15 an hour. He took 
the best off the top. And he brought it to the Lord. Cain didn't have to do that. I must reiterate, he went out there in the streets talking about fighting for 15. He went out there screaming, no justice, no peace. He had justice. He had peace. And because he had justice, and because he had peace, he got lazy. And he sat down on his, as they would say it back in the old day when I'd sit down with the old folks and they'd say, on his spirit or do nothing. Haven't you ever noticed the poor yard, the harder you work? You ever notice the less you have, the harder you try? You ever notice when your back is against the wall, you seem to have a little bit more fight? I was reading an article the other day, and it's very controversial, and please forgive me, but, but it made sense to me. One of the gentlemen somewhat in the Sydney Portier community, y'all know he did pass here recently. I was not aware of that. Mr. Portier and someone in his company sat down and they had a discussion some time ago. It was documented. Mr. Portier was talking about mental health issues and the struggle for mental health and all that other things and suicide. And, and one of his friends, he said, you know, mental health is rich people problems. He said, hear me out. He said, it's rich people problems. And he sat around in this room of college students, all from Ivy League families, upscale communities, the finest of the finest. And he said, you know why mental health is rich people problems? Because poor folks ain't got time to worry about no problems. They broke. Poor folks ain't got time to figure out why they hurting. They ain't got time to hurt. But the more you have, the less you have to worry about. And yet, it's more time for you to worry because an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Poor folks ain't got time to have an idle mind. They got kids that's got to be fed. They got homework that's got to be done. They got clothes that's got to be washed. They got food that's got to be put on the table, which means they got to go work a job from 6 to 2. Somewhere in there they have to prepare themselves to go to work from 4 to 12. And then inside of that 6 to 2 and 4 to 12, all those things I mentioned have to be accomplished. They ain't got time to have an item mind. 
They ain't got time to sit and talk about the birds and the bees or shoot the poo. That's a nice way to say it. They ain't got time to get on the phone and reminisce and drive themselves crazy. They ain't got time to gossip and watch Judge Springer. Now, you know he got a, he's a judge now, Jerry Springer. He's a judge. They ain't got time. And so came the firstborn, the beloved of his parents, the happy position that he sat in. He looked at Abel, who was just out in the streets minding his business, doing what he had to do to get what he needed to get. And he got mad. He got upset. Why does God love you more? Why is God giving you more? Why is God smiling on you more? Don't you know who I am? I am Cain. I am the one who the Lord helped my mother produce. And yet, with my position, with my stake in life, with with my pedigree, you go and look at him? Why can't I hold the position in the big leagues? Why, why do I not deserve to be up there in the high echelon? I am Cain. How are you going to give the spot that is designed? He ain't Ivy League. He don't have D-I-V behind his name. He can't shake hands with kings and queens. He's out there eating poking beans. And you going to love him more than me? It was very simple. Abel understood the reality. He had his priorities together. Abel understood. He said, listen, I found that if I just take this $15 an hour, and if out the 15 I give God a dollar and a half. That's all I got to do. Just a dollar and a half. And you know what? Just for good measure, I'm going to just round it up to two. I'm going to give him that two dollars. And I got 13 left. They say down in the church, you can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. The more you give, the more he gives to you. It's not some magic 
some voodoo. I found out what it is. What happens is he'll say, that 13 here, then he'll start showing. He'll say, listen, pay that right here. Put this right there. Go take all your bills they do on the 21st. Pay them on the 21st. Excuse me. Excuse me again. I got that rag, and that rag has some dust in it. Pay them on the 21st. And when you pay them on the 21st, don't pay anything else. Don't do anything else because, see, what happens is, your bill changes over on the 22nd. So that'll give you two months to pay it off. So if you put your money in the bank and put it on your credit card, by the time the bill comes due, you won't have $13. You have $25. Excuse me, 26 I knew I couldn't add. It ain't magic. It's understanding how to prioritize. Know what Abel did. Cain just wanted to splurge. Just wanted to throw it out there. If my brother can be the head of the deacon board, I want to be the head of the deacon board. If my brother can sit on the council, I want to sit on the council. If my brother can go and buy a Cadillac, I want to go buy a Rolls Royce. I have to compete with a man who's just trying to live his life. You're asking me, well, where did you get all this from? You're sitting here seemingly making up stuff. Well, read the text. It said, Cain looked at Abel. Nowhere in there did you see Abel looking at Cain. Abel could care less what Cain had. Now, let me tell you what that said to me. I wish somebody could go hold grandmama. She might start to run. What that said to me is that sometimes you got to be careful because folk will hate you just by your mind and your own business. I have learned that you could sit in your hole and just mind your business, happy with your oodles and your noodles, and somebody with a salmon will get angry because you ain't supposed to be that happy with them noodles. If I know. (sighs) 
you got all the trees and the plants and the birds of the air. You got all of these different things at your disposal, and you mad with my oodles and my noodles? Mm-hmm. Amen. You jealous of my shot by the railroad track? You don't know that I'm going pillar to post, paycheck to paycheck, month to month. You don't know that I'm going down to the food bank trying to get two things so I can have something to pay off and, and, and I keep my money so that I can pay my bills off. You don't, you sitting up there with all this money in the bank, your fine cars and your land and, and all of these things that if you just sit down and shut up and wait, you can inherit the earth and you're going to get mad over somebody struggling. Amen. Because they look like God is blessing them. Mm. I ain't planning to stay here this long. Let me hurry on here. Come back Wednesday. I'm gonna clean this up. Where I'm, I'm gonna skip on. I'm gonna clean it up with. So Cain goes out and he kills Abel. Then after he does it, I deal with that on Wednesday a little bit more. Be prepared. I'm going to take me some time Wednesday. We talk too much anyway. At least I do. Cain killed Abel. When God came down, what did you do? Why? Cain, why did you do this? Why does it matter? Where's your brother? Why it matter? Why I need to know for? Is he my business? You ever been in trouble and people just look at you like they ain't got nothing to do with me? Just left you for dead? He said, well, listen. God said, since you did it, now everything you could have, I'm going to take from you. And now Cain realizes something. He realized that the wages of sin, the reaction of sin. <laughs> I love it when people present the argument that God killed people or God destroyed folk. God he never killed nobody, never destroyed things. The reaction of your action. Old folk used to say, for every action there is a reaction. The reaction, the effect caused by your action is death. But Cain now realized something. Cain found himself in a position that he had never been before. 
he found himself with a mindset that he never had to have before. Because after he eliminated his brother, he realized that the blessing was now gone, that the rights and privileges of who he was, he lost his accreditation. He lost his scholarship. He lost his position on the board of fellows. He no longer was recognized by the Ivy League institutions. He was just as, if not worse off, than the man he hated. And he had to do something that everybody worth their salt has had to at one point in time. He had to find himself on his knees saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And this is why I like to use in the defense when people like to come up and call God the genocidist Genocidist means that he kill off a whole lot of folks. The heartless, emotional person that he is portrayed to be. Cain came in and he said, you don't understand what you have done to me. It's hard. Well, won't killing your brother hard? You killed a man in cold blood for minding his business. Won't that hurt? You destroyed a man's life, his family, his children will go up orphans. You took that boy's daddy from him. That young man who was just going to get some Skittles, and you profiled him and mowed him down in his own blood, that boy would never grow up. He would never have an opportunity. The one who you shot just trying to exercise, he would never have the opportunity to have a family. The girl that you killed in her own apartment, what did she have? Wasn't that hard? And our standards will go around, we will rally, we will protest, depending upon what side of the argument you own. But God said, all right, here, listen. You're right. The wages of sin is death. But because You came. Because you asked for my mercy, because you cried out to me, I got a gift for you. I'm going to give you my greatest gift. I'm going to give you the gift of me. And because you now have the gift of me, can't nobody touch you. Can't nobody hurt you Because I'm going to protect you 
even though you are wicked and put somebody to sleep. Hmm. I'm going to protect you even though you've messed up, even though you are the scum of the earth, even though societally you don't deserve nothing. I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to mock you. And any time they see you, <clears throat> they'll know you got my protection. A lot of us have messed up in our lives. As a matter of fact, all of us have. There's no righteous, no, not one. And because we have messed up, because we have fallen short of the glory, and yet when you go, Lord, have mercy on me. He comes in and he gives you a mark. <clears throat> and with that mark, it comes with his protection. And he says, that is my son. In whom I am well pleased. You said, oh, no, 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 you can't say that. Why can't I? Because he said that to Jesus. Yes, he did. He did. But didn't Jesus say, these things I have you shall and greater? So what I got, you got too. So if he is well pleased in his son, and I can have the same thing he got, then therefore... He is pleased with me. You can ask what you will in my name, and it shall be given. So I ask you today. <laughs> you might have been watching the news, or talking on the phone, thinking of going through whatever you're doing. I want to ask you a question. Why are you mad? Why are you angry? Why are you holding on to stuff that happened 40 and 50 years ago? God has blessed you, hasn't he? He gave you the same gift he gave Abel. Just go and do your business. Go live your life. Go be who he created you to be. As grandmother comes to pray, I ask you to take that into your consideration. <clears throat> I ask you to pray over yourself. Pray over those who may look at you funny, just say, hey, Lord, have mercy on them. They don't know what you're doing. 
Would you take this moment not to get angry, but to ask for the Lord's help? Just, Lord, just help me. These people getting on my nerves, just help me. They bothering me. As Granny said in the Beverly Hillbillies, Lord, they riling me. <laughs> just help me. <laughs> My dear grandmother. Most gracious and all wise Father, here your humble servants come once again to say thank you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your patience, your compassion for us. We thank you, dear God, because in spite of all, God, you love us. You care for us. You make ways for us. And help us, oh God, to read your word and open our understanding when we read that word. That your word is true. Your word is you. And you tell us day by day what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And God, we asking you right now, Forgive us for all our transgressions. Forgive us for all our sins. Lord, you know things come up on us and we yield to temptation, which you say yield not. But sometimes we yield to that temptation. And we ask you right now to forgive us. Forgive us, dear God, and help us to see you. Help us to trust you. Help us to know that you give us what you want us to have. Somewhere in the words that you give some 10, some 50, you give us what we are able to handle. And God, help us to be happy with that that you give us. All good gifts come from you. And help us to just remember that, that because we may not have 100, we may have 50, but you can bless that 50 just as great as you can bless that hunter. Help us, Lord, to just trust you. Trust you because, God, you are all in all. All things come from you. Whatever we need, God, you promise you will give it to us. You promise us, God, that you will be with us. And help us to rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Help us to be happy. And knowing that you care so much about us. You love us, God. You understand our weakness. You understand our shortcomings. And this morning, we ask you this morning, look upon us. Open up our eyes, dear God, that we might see. Open up our ears that we might hear. Open up our hearts, God, that we might receive your word and walk in the light of it. We need you this morning, God. We need you, God. We need you, dear Master. We need your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, God. We need you. Help us this morning, God. As we heard your word, God, help us to be able to forgive and forget, dear God. Help us to be able to trust you and obey you. Help us, dear God. We need you. We can't make this journey by ourselves. You knows our frail body. You knows our frail minds. God, you knows us, God. 
And we ask you to forgive us this morning and give us the strength to trust you and obey. There is no other way but to trust you and believe what you said and do what you taught us to do. You said do it. Help us not make excuses for what we want, but help us to just trust you. We give you this praise this morning, and we say thank you. We thank you because you turned that light on us this morning, and you let us see ourselves. And as we see ourselves, God, we don't want to be there. We want to be in your will. And we say thank you. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. And we give your name all the honor, all the honor, all the honor, all the glory, all the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Have a 